word that I want to share with you today that the Lord has really laid on my heart. I'm going to try to move quickly. I know that it's uh, 10 minutes till 12, but the Lord moved mightily in our 80, 845 service this morning uh, in the altar service. It was just tremendous, the presence of the Lord. And so um, I'm thankful for those that have already prayed today, but I encourage uh, you to stick around because God has a word to speak to you, and I believe that uh, he can minister to you in this altar service again today. So, Second Kings chapter 4, we're going to read two verses of Scripture, if you'll stand with me all over the house today. Uh, in the English Standard Version, two verses of Scripture in Second Kings chapter 4. Brother Lawrence got it on the screen. The Word said, Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. But the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. And Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in the house? And she said, Your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. The Lord's given me a strong word, strongly impressed upon me today to deliver to you. I've just simply titled it, Gather the Empty Vessels. By the time this day's over today, I will have preached twice, done a baby dedication, and I've got to drive to Lancaster and do a wedding. So I want to ask you, if you will, to uh, just pray with me and ask the Lord to help me today. Father, I just thank you for your presence that's here today. I thank you, Lord, for the anointing of your Holy Spirit. God, I thank you that you are doing something in this church, and you are inviting us into something that only you can accomplish, and you're inviting us into that today. So, God, I ask that you would give us the grace to look away from our own insufficiencies. Give us the grace, God, to look away from our own thoughts and our own ideas. And help us, Lord, to embrace your kingdom the way that you have clearly revealed it to us. God, you've shown us the pattern of your kingdom in your word, and you've shown us your heart. So help us today not to turn away from you when you're speaking to us. God, give us the grace to go into this place of promise and this place of power that you are right now, this day, setting before us. And God, I thank you that you are doing that. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. And God, I'm asking you today that you would give me the anointing of your spirit. God, I recognize that without you, I can do nothing. Lord, if you don't build this house, our labor is in vain. This is your church. These are your people. God, you have to come and speak. You have to come and bless. You have to come and strengthen. You have to come and build. You have to come and guide. And you have to come and lead. And God, I thank you today that if we will, I know that you will. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for what you're going to do in and through your word today in advance. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap of praise as you're seated today. It must be hard to clap and sit at the same time. It always kind of sounds like firecrackers that didn't go off right. But in this passage of Scripture today, here's the situation. And I'm going to try to move quickly, so if you will, stay with me, because I know the Lord has a message to speak to you. Here's the situation in this passage of Scripture that we just read. This particular woman had lived at a time where she had once been surrounded by the Word of God where the Word of God was preached, where there was power and there was provision, there was a hope and there was a future. Yet for whatever reason in her life, the Word of God uh, had been taken away for whatever reason from her household. And she eventually found herself alone. And one day, an evil man, now listen to me, listen to me this morning. I don't normally do this, but I'm going to say listen to me, thank you. 
till I get your attention because God's got a word for today. Let me say this before I go on any farther. Don't get so, so caught up in the emotionalism of Pentecost that you miss what God speaks to you from his word. Don't get upset at me and get offended because you're like, whoa, what was that that he just did? Please listen to me today. God has got a word for you. Stay with me. I say she eventually found herself alone and one day an evil man, and I say that because only an evil man would do what he was about to do. He arrived at the door and he said, your children belong to me from this day forward. They're going to be my slaves. You don't have the resources and you don't have the power to stop me from taking your children. And so she did what any mother would do in a moment like this. And she cried out to the closest representative, I suppose, in her generation to the real heart of God, which was Elisha. And he was the protege or the successor, if you will, of Elijah the prophet. And can I tell you this morning that we have a similar situation to this same situation in our world today. Because the Bible tells us in Psalms chapter 12 and verse 8, it says, On every side the wicked prowl, as vileness is exalted among the children of man. Write that verse down if you, if you are taking notes. Psalms 12 and 8. On every side the wicked prowl, and vileness is exalted among the children of man. Now Webster defines vile as morally despicable or abhorrent, physically repulsive. Now who can rationally deny today that vileness has become the standard of behavior in our modern day society? Vileness has become the standard of behavior instead of the exception to the rule in our modern day society. You're probably not going to help me, but I'm going to call some things out to prove that to you this morning by killing children while they're still in the womb. And if we can't kill them while they're still in the womb, then let's kill them when they partially come out of the womb. Vileness is the standard of living in the modern day society that we live in. We're now causing gender confusion in our young children in elementary school. Come on somebody. Now we're lying to people about the existence of God. And then if you don't have any children in college, trust me, you can take this one to the bank. We're radicalizing our young adults against not just God, but against both God and this great country that we live in, in our colleges and on our university campuses. Vileness is being exalted as righteousness, while what is good and what is holy and what is true is being cast down as evil and bigotry. That's what they call it. So we ask ourselves today, what do we do, what does the church do to combat against this? Let's start at taking a look at what happened to the widow in our opening passage of Scripture. You see, when the creditor was coming, she did what I suppose any mother would do. She shared her distress, and she called out for Elisha. And Elisha said to her, now think about this, Elisha had the power to do a lot of things. You know, Elisha had the power to raise people from the dead. He's the one that raised the, the Shunammite woman's son from the dead. But Elisha, who had all this power of God in his life and could have done a miracle for her just like that, he turns to her and he says, what's in your house? What do you have in your house? And so she responds to him. First of all, let me tell you this morning, I've come to ask you, what's in your house? What do you have in your house? And so she turns around and she responds to him by saying, I have nothing. 
All I have is a jar of oil. You see, she was unaware of what she had. She was unaware of the power that was available to her if she would be willing to use what she had. She was so focused on her own distress. And isn't that the way it is for most of us today? For many people, we are so focused on our own distress that we as a church, we are in danger of forgetting what we have. We are in danger of forgetting what God has already placed in the palm of our hands. You see, we're living in a moment in America today where wickedness is rising. And vile men and women are lifting themselves up to be admired and admonished as leaders among the people. Now listen, I'm going to probably offend both, both sides of the aisle this morning with what I'm about to say. But we have political leaders in this day and time that we live in, both elected and those trying to get elected. We have political leaders on both sides of the aisle that cannot even speak to the people without using profanity. Hello. They cannot even speak to the people without having to come back at the last. What, what happened to when, when somebody else was lashing out at you and slinging mud at you that you became the bigger man or the bigger woman and you didn't have to sling it back and throw it back. You just read your shoulders back, held your head up high and let God fight your battles. What happened to those kinds of leaders? So we have leaders on both sides of the political aisle that can't speak without even using profanity. And then we've got certain states like California who have started teaching our children about gender identity and confusing them, by the way, in kindergarten. God help us. And now other states are pushing for the same. Some of you say, oh, well, that'll never happen in Kentucky. Oh, we're living in God's country around here. That'll never happen in Kentucky. I'll have you know I was in Somerset, Kentucky yesterday, and do you know what was going on? A gay pride festival. Who would have ever thought in Somerset, Kentucky, there'd be a gay pride festival? Watch out, it'll be in London or Corbin next. I said, watch out, it'll be right in our back door next. Because the other states are pushing to do the same thing. And Scripture, as the Scripture said, vileness is being exalted among our children. Can I get a witness this morning? See, this widow was totally focused on her own distress, as is the case with many people today. Lord, the wicked have come and are demanding our children. My Lord and my God. That is the silent cry of the church today. You're not hearing it, but that's where we are. The wicked have come and they are demanding our children. And if we are not careful, we will become so focused on the distress, so focused on the trouble, so focused on the vileness of this dark world around us, and we'll become so accustomed to it being 
normal to have a gay pride festival in Somerset, Kentucky. We'll become accustomed to it being normal for them to teach our children about gender identity and maybe you go in the bathroom and see that you're a boy but if you want to be a girl you can be a girl. My God what are we becoming accustomed to that where is the church that will rise up and stand on the word of God and say like a tree planted by the water I shall not be moved. If we're not careful we'll become so accustomed to that that we are in danger church danger of forgetting what God Almighty has already placed in our hands. Just as the widow said, she said, I don't have anything in my house except a jar of oil. We might say, well, all I have is my own salvation. All I have is just a little bit of strength left. Anybody ever just been so engaged in the battle that at times you feel like all you have is just a little bit of strength left? Hello, anybody? We may feel like we only have a little bit of strength left. We may feel like all we have is just a little bit of oil. And yet this powerful force is coming to take away our children to take away our hope and our future. It's taking the presence and the sense of God out of our nation. And you may say, I don't know what to do. I feel like the widow. You see, I feel like the widow. It's been so long as a nation since we have heard the piercing word of God preached. Did you hear me? Oh, we like to make it comfortable. We like to make it easy. All kinds of pillows. Some of you are going to get mad at me, but I don't care. All kinds of pillow prophets all over this land just propping up people on pillows by the droves but not taking a stand for what the unadulterated Word of God says. Where are the people that will cry out against sin? Where is the next Billy Graham in our nation? Where is the church of the living God? What's happened? in our pulpits all across this nation. Where's the conscience of America gone? I mean, is there anything that's wrong anymore? What hope do we have left? So we ask ourselves, how do we stop this creditor from coming and taking our sons and daughters and making them slaves to unrighteousness? I propose to you this morning that just as the widow, she doesn't know what she has. And we've been talking about this in our church for some time now. On Wednesday nights, and if you've not been attending on Wednesday nights, we've missed you and, and you've missed it. If you're able to be here, you ought to be here. The past five Wednesday nights, we've been reminding ourselves in this adult sanctuary class of what our true identity is in Christ. You see... I think that's part of the problem nowadays. We don't realize what we have. We don't realize whose we are. And so we read in the Bible, we find a young lady by the name of Esther. If you know the story much about Esther. When the Lord came to Esther, she had the same sense of understanding when she received that we have, when she received that word that said to her, who knows, but you came to the kingdom for such a time as this. You see, in that time, a decree of death had been passed over the entire nation. The people of God were about to be plundered. And the children were about to be taken and killed. And this girl is now approached with a message that was sent by God himself. And at the time that she's approached with that message, you were sent here for such a time as this. She was swallowed up 
almost entirely by a sense of her own insufficiency. But she had forgotten that she was the bride of the king. Hmm. I want to tell you something this morning. We may feel like sometimes that we only have a little bit of oil left. We may feel like sometimes that we only have a little bit of strength left. And it may seem like sometimes that we only have a little bit of power in this church age that we're living in. I ask myself all the time, where is the power of God in the church? Where is the power of God that we've heard the elders talk about and we've heard them preach about and that even some 25 years ago I've seen and experienced myself. Where is the power of God that sweeps through a building and people come in sick and they walk out healed? Where is the power of God that a sinner cannot sit in God's presence without running to the altar and not only confessing their sin but repenting of their sin? My God, I'm going to preach right there for just a minute. We're living in a church age where people want to run into the house of God every time they get in trouble and they want to confess their sin, confess their sin, confess their sin. God help me, come back to me, restore me. I want to tell you something this morning. Until you repent, oh God. I said until you repent of that sin, you will not find the favor of God on your life. For those of you that aren't Pentecostal, I apologize for that. I don't have to apologize. Thank you, Cheryl. She had forgotten she was the bride of the king. I want to tell you something this morning. We may not have a lot of strength at times. We may not have a lot of oil at times. We may feel like there's not much power left in this church age at times. And we might feel like sometimes, I know I do, that we're swallowed up in our own insufficiencies. But I want to tell you something this morning. We must Never forget that we are still the bride of the king. <laughs> I said we must never forget that we are still don't have a lot of energy. That's okay. Going through a lot of problems. That's all right. Don't have all the spring in your step. That's okay, honey. Got just a little bit of oil left in the bottom of your jar. That's all right. I came to tell you this morning, you're still a child of the king. You're still a bride of the king. You've got access to the throne of God. You've got access to the one that has all power and all knowledge and all authority. You've got access to the one who was, who is, and who is to come. Let me remind you of something this morning. I've tried him. I know him. And I know he'll make a way. Hallelujah. And similar to Esther, we have Gideon. That's another one in scripture. When God appeared to Gideon, Gideon felt like that he was the least among the least of the least. Let me say that again. You ever feel like you're the least among the least of the least? But God called Gideon a mighty man of valor. Why did he do that? Because God was sending Gideon to do something that only God was able to do. Church, I came to tell you something this morning. Don't forget what you have. Whew, I'm going to say that again. Don't forget what you have. So then let's read on. Elisha said to this woman in 2 Kings 4, 3 through 7, he said, go outside. 
Borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels and not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. So she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And as she poured, they brought the vessels to her. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another. Then, say then. Then the oil stopped flowing. Let me say it like this. It wasn't until then that the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live off the rest. The oil, when she began to pour out, and I, I told him this morning at 845, there was no plan of this, but there's just a little bit of oil left in the bottom of this bottle. And she began, she was like this. I have just a little bit of oil. But the Bible says as she began to pour, the oil just kept coming. And she thought she had just a small amount, but she didn't realize that she was connected to a supply that never runs dry. And that's what a spiritual awakening looks like in the church. When we simply believe God, even when we think all we got's a little bit left, we can start pouring into others around us. As a matter of fact, I believe the plan of God for us today and the message for you today is for us, all of us, to begin to gather every empty person you know and begin to pour into them. Gather every person you know that's empty. Gather your empty friends. Gather your empty family members. And listen at this. What the widow do? Even send your children out to gather them in. Did you hear me? Even send your children out to gather them in. Perhaps maybe you're a single mother here or maybe not even a single mother but just a mother with children who have you worried. Can anybody say amen? The friends they're hanging out with are worrying you. Well, I tell you what to do this morning. Tell them to go get those friends that they're hanging out with and bring them to your house. And then spend a little bit of time before they get there. Yeah, you said bring them to my house. I don't want them at my house. That's what's wrong with the church today. I said that's what's wrong with the church today. We've said we don't want them in our house. We don't want that kind around here. Well, oh, that kind's not welcome here. Oh, no, let me tell you, that's not the way to do it. The way to do it is go tell your kids, go get them, bring them all to your house. We're going to have a big party over at my house. And then before they get there, let me tell you what to do. Go in your prayer closet and shut your door and spend some time praying in the Holy Ghost for your children and praying in the Holy Ghost for those friends. Some of you are looking at me like I got four eyes this afternoon. What are you talking about praying in the Holy Ghost? I'm talking about praying with the spirit filled baptism that is available to you I'm, I, God why has that become foreign in a Pentecostal church today you've done come too late honey to tell me it's not real see I didn't cut my teeth on Pentecostal pews I wasn't blessed to grow up in this denomination I grew up in another denomination now there's nothing else with other denominations and I'm not exalting Pentecost over other denominations but I am exalting the experience 
I can't help it. Yeah, this church is filled with Baptists, Presbyterian, Methodists. I think we've even got a 12-year Episcopal. Lord have mercy. And then we've got Christian Church of Christ. We've got everything else in the house. But I want to tell you something this morning. I can't help it if you don't experience that in those denominations. I came to tell you there is a baptism in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And it wasn't sent just so we could shout around and have a big time when we come to church. No, that's not the purpose it was sent for. When it fell down in that upper room, if you read your word, you'll find out what they did next was they went out into the marketplace. And when they went out into the marketplace, they began to pour out what had been poured into them. And before you knew it, there was 5,000 souls that were added to the kingdom of God. You want to talk about a church growth seminar? I said get in your prayer closet. Get a hold of God and pray until you're endued with power. Spend some time praying in the Holy Ghost for those children and those friends. And then every chance you get, every chance you get, pour into them. Pour into your children, but pour into those friends. What are you talking about, Pastor? On the ball field? I said on the ball field? At the dance competition? During the car wash fundraisers? When you've got them at your dinner table? If you don't cook when you're buying them dinner? When you have them sleeping over at your house? Don't forget what you have. I said don't forget what you've been given. Tip yourself over and pour yourself out into those young people, into the other people that are around you. Listen, I stand before you today. I'll have you know, I stand here today, a Holy Ghost-filled preacher of the gospel. But I just told you earlier, I've not always been Holy Ghost-filled. I wasn't raised in this, but I had some Holy Ghost-filled friends who had some Holy Ghost-filled parents that I began to hang out with when I was in middle school. If you got a middle schooler, you ought to have them here. I done singled Nicholas and Caitlin out at 845 and told them, did you hear that? In middle school. If you got a middle schooler, you ought to have them here in Nicholas and Caitlin's class so they can pour into them. Hello. That's a very impressionable age. Because listen to what your pastor's about to tell you. I began to hang out with them when I was in middle school. And... Uh, I, I didn't even realize it, but little by little, they poured into my life every chance they got. I didn't even know they were pouring in when they were pouring into me most of the time. See, I knew the Lord, but when it came to the fullness of His Spirit, I was empty. But the more they poured, the fuller I got. And I can stand here before you today and testify that one Wednesday night, Lord have mercy, imagine that, it was a Wednesday night. One Wednesday night, I got hungry for my own supply. I got thirsty for my own bottle of oil. And so I prayed until the altar service was finished. See, they've been pouring into me since middle school, but by now, guess how old I was? I was 16 years old. By this time, I was sitting on the front seat after service dismissed. I had prayed through the entire altar service and then finished. The service was over. I was sitting right about where Cheryl is on that side of the church after the altar service had been, the church service had been dismissed. I was still sitting on that front row praying and talking to the Lord. And the more I prayed, the, the more serious I became. And when I became serious about asking Him to fill me with His Spirit, oh, He came and He filled me with His precious Holy Spirit. Wasn't nobody laying hands on me. Wasn't nobody standing in front of me doing all kinds of foolishness saying na 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 and ta ta ta. Hello somebody. Wasn't nobody smacking my cheeks telling me to speak it, speak it, speak it. No, when I got serious I said when I got serious about God
God filling me and he opened up heaven and he poured out over me and the Holy Ghost flooded over this Baptist boy and I began to speak in unknown tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance there was a woman in the church that said to me I've never heard anybody receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and speak as fluently in tongues as you did and I looked at her and I said what did I say she said I don't have a clue what you said but it was pretty and it sounded like you've been doing it your entire life what are you trying to tell me pastor I'm trying to tell you what I've done jumped ahead of myself and said earlier you've done come too late honey to tell me that it's not real you've done come too late to, to tell me that Pentecost is nothing but a bunch of emotionalism no I'm telling you I've got in my prayer closet I've been desperate in my life and I've prayed when I didn't know what to pray the spirit itself prayed for me he spoke through me and I've seen God move time after time after time in my life it's real I said it's real and this promise is, is the hope for our generation and God is saying as you take the little bit that you have and pour into the empty places you'll discover as you take what you've got church and pour into the empty places you'll discover God says that I'm a river of life from the inside of you what are you talking about, Pastor? John 7, 37 and 38. Jesus started out saying, come to me. And he dropped on down and he said, out of your belly. You said it's not for me. Well, Jesus said, out of your belly, out of your inward parts, will flow this river of living water. We sing about it sometimes around here. We sing, I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Think about it. It makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. It opens prison doors, sets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. My God, I wish we had that. Sing it with me. I've got a river of life flowing out. Sing it like you mean it this morning. It makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. It opens prison doors, sets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Anybody glad this morning you've got that river? I said, is anybody glad that you've got that river? Your pastor came to tell you this morning, don't you ever forget what you have. I said, don't you ever forget what you have. Now listen, i got to tell this quickly and we'll get to the altar service. When I first got filled with the Holy Ghost, I didn't know any better. I just didn't know any better. So I just started laying on hands, laying hands on everybody. Not that night in that service, but from there on out, I just started laying hands on people. I was so zealous. Anybody know what zeal is? I had a zeal not according to knowledge. I did. I just lay hands on anybody and everybody. And I remember one time, I wanted so much to see this young man filled with the Spirit like I had been filled with the Spirit. Because, see, I wasn't, I wasn't an easy one. I told you I started in middle school. I didn't get it till I was 16. I thought y'all was crazy. I went years thinking you was nuts. I just liked you and thought you were nice people. But I just thought you was a fruitcake when it came to worship in church. And so I went till I was 16 years old. But once I received it, I remember one night that I was so aggressively praying. Anybody from the old church know what it means to aggressively pray? I was so aggressively praying for this, this young man to get filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't even know what I was doing. I just remember 
that the evangelist gently took my hand off of this boy. And he whispered, for obvious reasons, and he whispered in my ear and he said, Son, you don't have to beat it into him. That's how aggressively I was praying for him. I learned something from that moment. You don't have to beat it into people. But as I've got older, I've also learned something else. See, back then, I used to see a lot of people filled with the Holy Spirit. Back then, I used to lay hands on a lot of people, Casey, and I'd see a lot of people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And if the truth be told, I've seen it more then than I see it now. What are you saying, Pastor? Here's what I'm saying. I'm afraid in this modern church age that we live in, we've lost the desire that we once had to see people saved and truly transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm even greatly more afraid that we've lost the desire we once had to see people filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, yes, it's good to be saved and be on your way to heaven. Where If you've been saved, we're all on our way there. But if you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, all I know to tell you is you don't know what you're missing out on. All I know to tell you is you don't know how good it can be when you receive everything that God has for you because he's got a river that'll flow out of your belly. He's got a refreshing. What does a river do? It refreshes. It soothes. It provides nourishment. It'll flow out of you in the times you think you don't have nothing left but just a little bit in your vessel. The river will still flow. And I've got to hurry. We can receive the baptism through the simplicity of faith. Go ahead and come to the music so you can be in place. That'll work. There's no wonder that Jesus, thank you. I didn't mean to say that demanding. Please do. Thank you. Thank you. But no wonder Jesus told the church at Ephesus. He told them, he said, you've got your theology down pat. And you're testing and proving who you say are apostles. You've got discernment. You're doing a lot of good works doing more good works than you did at the beginning but he says but Jesus says but I got a little bit of something against you you've lost your first love you've lost the simplicity of walking with God you've lost the joy of being a vessel through whom God can pour his life into others and if you don't get back to that he went on down in Revelation to say you're going to lose your candlestick in other words he was saying, use the oil that you have. If you don't lose it, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. You'll lose the light. Yeah, you'll still have your salvation. You'll end up at the throne of God one day. But the Lord could have done what the Lord could have done through your life to impact others around you will not happen. Did you hear me? What the Lord could have done through your life to impact others around you would not happen. In the book of Acts, we read of 120 people who were gathered in that upper room, people that were emptied of self and essentially possessing only the oil of their own salvation. You might say they were empty vessels. They were clean vessels, but they were empty vessels. Empty of all sense of strength and empty of all the promises that they had made to God. Yet they were aware that their generation was about to be taken captive by the godlessness of that time. Because folks, it doesn't get any worse or any more godless than killing the Son of God. But nevertheless, they knew their own limitations and fears. And they began to pray in this place called the upper room. And I can picture God the Father talking to the Son regarding those who were seeking Him. God said to Jesus, may I borrow these empty vessels that have gathered in Your name. May I borrow them and do something astounding through them. And the Son answered, 
answered, Father, you're more than welcome to them. If they're mine, they're yours. And so right away when he said that, I can just picture it that the oil was poured out down into these 120 who had no strength in themselves. And when they left that upper room, they walked out into the marketplace and they began, after they had been poured into, they began to pour out until 5,000 people had been added to the church. I want you to think about it. That 120 didn't have the New Testament to read from. They were the New Testament. They were living the New Testament. But God's Spirit was inside of them and they were simply being used as vessels to pour into empty people. They learned it was not their strength, but it was through their weakness that God's power could be made known. So I said all that to say this this morning as I close. Now, listen to me, everybody. I'm almost done. You can sit at home. You can either sit at home and stare at your little jar of oil with not much left in it and try to survive. Hoping, I said hoping, that nobody will take your children captive. Or you can do what God says. You can go and gather your empty neighbors. You can go and gather your empty friends. You can go and gather your empty family members. And you can gather every empty vessel that you can find. You can find them on the street corner. You can find them on your job. You can find them in the fast food restaurant on your lunch break. Or young people, you can find them in the hallways of your schools or walking along your college campuses and just start pouring what you have into the empty places. And when you start pouring, listen to me this morning, when you start pouring, don't look at it like that's all I've got. When you start pouring, pour without reservation. Why? Because you've got more resources than you think you have. I said you've got more than you know you've got. You don't have to wait for some divine moment or some perfect moment or for everything to be right in your life and you on top of the world. You can start today. You can pray for somebody today. You can pray for somebody somewhere right now. Get them on your heart. What happened in the church to us getting somebody on our heart? Does anybody know what that means anymore? Get the lost on your heart and ask God to give you an opportunity to pour into them. See, when we start pouring into others around us, and watch this. If you'll stand with me all over the house, I'm ready to close. As we start pouring into others around us, when she began to do this, the old, the Bible said, just kept coming. She thought she just had a little bit. She didn't realize she was connected to a supply that never runs dry. And when the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. Listen, this is what I came to tell you to do this morning. You start pouring out. And you watch what God will do. Nobody moving around unless you have to, please. You start pouring out. And you watch what God will do. Hear me, church. This is our hope for now. You'll be shocked. You'll be shocked at how hungry people are today. Remember, please remember, you don't have to debate theology with them. Don't go there. Don't do that. All you have to do is simply say, I'm praying for you. And you let God pour His Spirit out of you into their life. Begin to gather and to pour and to pray and believe and watch what God will do. Listen, when you do that, that's when prayer meetings will start springing up all over this city. That's when revival will sweep through the tri-counties. 
That's when we'll have to have church somewhere on a football field because there won't be a building large enough to hold us all. The community will come together. Whatever happened to that? Put all that competition garbage out the doors. What I say, let the community of God come together. Let the church of the living God come together without a church name. Let us come together in one mind and in one accord and let us see God do something supernatural in our city. If we'll just begin, listen, if you'll remember what you have, and if you'll go on a headhunt to find every empty vessel you can to pour into. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask very quickly, if you're seated in this room today, and here's the way I want to ask it. If you're standing here today and you say, Pastor Sean, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt if I left this building today and had a head-on collision on American Greeting Road before I ever made it to 25E and I went out into eternity, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt today that I would go to heaven. Let me see your hands right now, please, all over the room. All over the room. I know beyond the shadow of a doubt I would make it to heaven. All right. You can put those hands down. I'm talking to those of you who didn't raise your hands. If you don't know beyond the shadow of a doubt, you can know before you leave here today. So with nobody looking around, this altar calls for you. I want to ask, first of all, if you're not sure, would you be bold enough and brave enough to step out from your seat right now and make your way down to this altar where you can know for sure before you leave here today that you're ready? Would you do that? Church, would you pray? There were several people in the room that did not lift their hands that knew that they were ready. Church, would you pray? If you're sitting here and that was you and you're not positive that you're ready, would you have the boldness to step out from where you are and approach this altar today and make sure that you're ready before you leave this place? I'm not going to tarry any longer, but the altar is always open to you. I want to ask next, if you're sitting here and you say, Pastor, I don't really know what you're talking about, about being filled with the Spirit. I've not been filled yet, but I would like to be. If that's you, would you step out from where you are and make your way to this altar right now very quickly? I'd like to be filled with the Spirit of the Lord. Thank you. Anybody else today? Anybody else step out and say, I would like to be filled with the Spirit of the Lord? Maybe you'll say, I would like to be refilled. I was filled at one time, but I'd like to be filled with the Spirit of God again. It's been a long time since I felt His Spirit poured out over me. Would somebody please come and pray right here with one? We've got one seeking the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Anybody else that will step out and say, I'd like to be filled or refilled with His Spirit. We have a young lady coming. If somebody will pray with her. Anybody else? I'd like to be filled. Thank you, young man. Somebody come and pray with him. I'd like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be intimidated. I'd like to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. If that's you, thank you, young lady. Somebody else is coming. Will you pray with them? Adults, please make sure somebody's with every one of these that are praying. If you'll step out from where you are today, I believe that God wants to do something supernatural in your life. Anybody else that will say, I want to be refilled. I want to be filled with the Spirit or refilled with the Spirit today. Anybody else, I'm going to move on. It's always open to you, but now I want to ask the rest of you, I'm assuming, if you don't want to be filled or refilled, you've already been filled. And so you say, I want God to use me to pour into others. I've got somebody on my heart. Hopefully, you've already invited them to come next weekend and you're picking up a t-shirt for them after church today. But if not, you can get them on your heart right now. And if you say, I want God to use me to pour into somebody else all over the building, would you come right now and just find a place in this altar to kneel and pray? Thank you. Would you come all over the building and say, God, I want you to use me to pour into somebody else. And as they sing this morning, ask God to do what only God can do. And that's feel every single empty